thought I pulled a pin out of this bug and it was a marker. Well, stop trying why. to get writing utensils out of insects. Wait, sir. What? I said mug. I heard bug. Well? I also heard bug. Well? <laughs> Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 151. My name is CJ Schrader and with me, as always, my two assembled alphas. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And Brian Prilliman. Hold on, hold on. There's a, there's a Pikachu here. I gotta... Oh, you're, you're not you even playing. You don't even play this game. <laughs> yeah. Shh, they don't know that. I want to pretend to be cool and hip and trendy. Wait. Oh, man. We should have... We should get in on the Pokemon Go podcast. You want, you want to start a Pokemon Go podcast? I think we have to. Is this episode one right now? Yeah. All right. Welcome <laughs> to episode one of Pokemon Go cast. <laughs> My name is CJ Schrader, the Bulbasaur of the group, and I have the Charmander, Jess Dunks, and Squirtle, Brian Pilliman. Why do I got to be Squirtle? Squirtle's awesome. Oh, wait. Squirtle's the cool one. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, Most people think Bulbasaur's the lame one. Is Bulbasaur? Is he the one with the big plant on his back? Yep. Yeah, the cool oh, one. Yeah, he's kind of... Or Slowpoke, or Slow King. Yeah, see? I know all these Pokemon. Slowbro. Oh, is it Slowbro? Like, slow... Anyway, Nick Zinner will love this episode. We're here to talk <laughs> about the magic release notes, but we'll talk about monetizing a Pokemon Go podcast later. Because I think now's the time to get it in. Is, it is. Five million also, listeners. It's also our idea, patent pending. Uh, and, no one else can take it. No one else can take it. We staked our claim. All right. So, yeah, these are the release notes. So we're going to be talking about a few of the interesting cards. Um, you know, for people who don't realize, we don't we don't read the entire release notes to you because that would be boring. So we pick out the cards that are most interesting. We try to remove any kind of repeat rules, whatevers, and uh, we bring that to you. So if you ever want the entire release notes, there there's always a link to them in the comments. Uh, sorry, in the um, show notes. Show notes. Yeah. Show notes. Yeah, like for every for every set, there's always five cards where the only comment on them is, "This is an intervening if clause." Yeah. Can we just cover that now and skip those? I don't even think I have any in this time because we kind of covered what? it last time. We did. Oh cover my god, it. that's a first. Judge cast first right here. Yeah, not covering <laughs> intervening if clauses. Oh man, there's already a Pokemon Go podcast. Crap. Oh, sure. Is. What are they? Called? I'm not shocked. It has 11 episodes. How? <laughs> it must have been in the beta. <laughs> you... All right, back to the show. Is it just is it them just wandering around recording? It's like, oh, I'm at a poke point. So, so I've actually got I'm... this idea. Like, we should live stream the game, but like physically playing the game, but stream it on Twitch. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a documentary of you walking around playing Pokemon Go, but on Twitch, which is designed for video games. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I think that's hilarious. Oh, there's a ton of Let's Play videos out there. So, um, Alternatively, you. you could just constantly stream the Our Servers Are Experiencing Issues <laughs> screen. Yes. Okay, all right. Let's get this episode <laughs> on track because it's going to be a long one. Uh, I also do want to apologize to everyone listening. Uh, air conditioning is out in my house. So two things are coming from that. One, you can hear a lot more background noise because I have the windows open. For example, you can hear an airplane right now. Two, I can't think straight because it is so hot. So we'll just see where that goes throughout the day. I can't take my pants off because <laughs> the windows are open and I have the blinds open. So first real problems, problems, man. Yeah. I can't take my pants off because the blinds are open. 
Okay, so let's start off with Assembled Alphas. <laughs> assembled Alphas. Yeah, it's actually kind of weird. We don't usually get multiple creatures as one creature anymore. But Assembled Alphas is uh, five and a red. It's a creature wolf. It's five five. And it says, whenever Assembled Alphas blocks or becomes blocked by a creature, Assembled Alphas deals three damage to that creature and three damage to that creature's controller. So one little note here is it triggers for once for each creature blocking it. So if it is blocked by five one ones, then it is going to do a lot of damage to those creatures' controllers and three damage to each of those. Um, if its triggered ability ends up killing the creature blocking it, it still remains blocked. It doesn't have trample, so it's not going to do any uh, combat damage to the opposing player. So if it's blocked by a 3-3, three, three, you know, as it's blocked, it, gets, it triggers. The trigger is going to kill the 3-3, three, three, but it still remains a blocked creature. And it's worth knowing that this ability does not target... So if the creature blocking it is killed for some reason before the trigger resolves, uh, the trigger is still going to resolve, and the opponent is still going to take three damage. Or the sorry, the blocking creature's controller, which will be your opponent, assuming this is your creature. Value. So, yeah. Overall, pretty sweet, honestly. Yeah, I I will say this about the card from a from a comparel standpoint: if you attack with assembled alphas, and uh, the opponent blocks with a three three. And then they pick it up and put it in the graveyard. Uh, make sure that it's they are also losing the uh, the three life, or sorry, the, taking the three damage. Uh, because if you just put it in the graveyard, well, that might have been since it's a five five. That might have been combat damage that they think killed it, and so you might run into a problem later, uh, uh, a little bit later, with whether or not you missed your trigger or not. You said yeah. or not twice. What's that? You said or not twice. Or not. Or not. or not. Double not, which means it happened, therefore I get my trigger. Uh, not. Seer? <laughs> Just tell us about this Campaign of Vengeance. Oh, okay. I will tell you about Campaign of Vengeance. Campaign of Vengeance uh, costs three, a white and a black, and apparently has Soren in his new leather duds on the front. And it says, whenever a creature you control attacks, defending player loses one life and you gain one life. Um, so this this is a card that references the defending player, which you don't see a whole lot anymore, um, but it does occasionally come up. So the defending player is the player who is being attacked. Um, so if you attack a player, obviously that player is the defending player. If you attack a planeswalker, the controller of that planeswalker is the defending player, and this effect will still resolve in exactly the same way. Um, in Two-Headed Giant, uh, you choose a defending player on resolution, uh, because you have a defending team, normally. Uh, so the team only loses one life. Yeah, and if you're wondering this... why this is different than Extort, it's because Extort said each, uh, opponent loses a life, and you gain life equal to the life loss that way. I wasn't wondering, but that's a good call. I just feel like a black-white card, people are gonna wonder. Because I think uh, people have been conditioned to see these effects as, like, really good in Two-Headed Giant, but this one is just normal. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. I guess if we're mentioning Two-Headed Giant, we should also mention that whenever a creature you control attacks means literally a creature you control, your teammate doesn't count. All right. All right. Oh, here, here we go. The one example of this kind of card we have to talk about. Well, so certain Whoa. death. Look at yeah. that creep behind it. I know. Yep. 
That's I didn't uh, notice that dude. That's Slenderman. It's quite it's Slenderman. Yeah. It's clearly yeah. Slenderman. And uh, wait, and is it Slender? Slenderman. Is it Slenderman or Slenderman? Yeah, Slenderman and MD. Slenderman MD. Yeah. All right. Slenderman S Esquire. Yeah. Um, okay. Certain death is for five and a black. It is a sorcery. Destroy target creature. Its controller loses two life and you gain two life. Um. All right, so some things of note here is it's destroying it's it's a spell with a single target. So if that single target somehow becomes illegal, maybe the, it gains uh, protection from black, or it is sacrificed or something like that, uh, then the target is illegal and the spell will be countered upon resolution. So no one's going to gain or lose any life. Um, also, an, another neat little thing if the creature itself the creature if if it's destroyed and via this spell uh it's not going to be around so if it's got any abilities or anything like that that say trigger when you lose life or you gain life uh, it's not around so it's it's already destroyed by the time you uh sorry by the time the controller loses two life and you gain two life so that's not going to happen um the last little bit is if it somehow, if the creature somehow gains uh, indestructible, the spell is going to try and destroy the creature. It's not going to do it because it's indestructible, but we're going to keep going uh, and do as, uh, do everything else on the card. Uh, and its controller is still going to lose the two life, and you're still going to gain the two life. Yep. 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 Sometimes people think that makes it an illegal target. Right. But it does not. Well, of course it's illegal. It can't be destroyed, and it's yeah. supposed to destroy. No, that's not the way that works. Yep. All right, coats from the blind eternities. Coat, wait, so coats. Like, coats. Like jackets and coats. stuff like that. Like diet drinks. Two liter coats. Like World, coke World of Coke, right? Like yeah. so, if you go to World <laughs> of Coke and you try all the various sodas from around the world, right? They have uh, one they have, in the back corner. Yeah, exactly. They have. Yeah. They have one that's uh, that's cokes from the blind eternities, right? It's just a whole stand by <laughs> right. itself. I think they call that. I think that's Beverly. Yeah. <laughs> that's this is pretty awful. Jeez, we're, we give so much photo Photoshop material for free to the world, <laughs> right? Or alter material. Cokes All right. from the blind, from the blind eternities is a good one. <laughs> I do like that. Cokes <laughs> from the blind eternities. You, you oh, take all these these the, things that people thought were slivers and you replace them with cokes. There's yeah, your co- there's I your mean, pun for uh, like the next Star City event. Oh yeah, know? see that's another freebie provided by Judge Cast. That's an easy one. Yes. If someone's playing this card. Wow. Uh, all right. So it says you may choose an Eldrazi card you own from outside the game or in exile. Reveal that card and put it into your hand. So the in exile there, I think, is a cute little addition. Um, so we haven't seen an outside the game card in a little bit. Well, no, I don't L- think so. Literary Wish, I think. Well, that was when, when was that? Sight. Yeah. Oh was, no, we uh, we had one in uh, Rise of Eldrazi, the the Eldrazi that got other Eldrazi outside the game. He also oh, right, 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 right. Uh, the Blight Eternities. Uh, Sponsire of Ulamog. Yeah, Sponsire of Ulamog, <laughs> thank you. For the low, low cost of 20 mana. So, but outside the game means if you're in a competitive event, it means you're sideboard. Uh, if you're in a casual game, I mean, I guess you and your friends can decide, but generally it means your entire collection. Yeah. Um, if you have a card that's exiled face down for some reason, you know, there's lots of cards that do that, uh, you can't choose that card and grab it from exile that's because a face down card just like kind of just like a face down creature on the battlefield um 
Wait. Sort of similar. So but you can't a card in the blind eternities, you are blind to it? Uh, it has no characteristics when it's face down in exile. So it doesn't have a creature type, so you can't choose it because you don't know it's an Eldrazi card. Even if you're allowed to look at the card for some reason, you still can't choose it. And then something we talk about a lot so, is... So, so to be clear about that, it's just because of the Eldrazi qualifier. If you had a Death Wish, for example, you could do that. Death Wish gets any card from outside the game. Okay. So you could choose one that's face down, right? Uh, a face down card outside the game. Yeah, I think I think if you have a. Oh, sorry, single... actually, wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is such thing. I'm, I'm, sorry, oh, I'm card... stuck in like I'm stuck in like rules from like five years yeah. ago. Don't mind. And the card Can that please... does get a game from exile, get a card from exile, does specify face up. I can't remember which card it is. Um, I can't remember it's whatever. Someone listening is gonna be like, oh, it's that card. It's white. You guys know what I'm talking about. Get a card from exile, put it in your graveyard before processors. Uh, uh, it's a green, uh, it's that green guy, isn't it? Pull from eternity. Pull from eternity. Thank you. So, so this coaxes from eternity. Yeah. Pull from eternity does something different. So, so exile is eternity, but outside the game is the blind eternities. (laughs) But face down in exile, not blind eternity. (laughs) Or eternity. Because you can't get a card the other way. Okay. Uh, it's also worth noting that cards in your sideboard, um, Characteristic defining abilities apply in all zones, including outside the game. It's weird to say all zones, including outside the game, because outside the game is not a zone, but they they work in all zones and outside the game. And so if you had a changeling that you just really needed to get out of your sideboard, you actually could get it with Coax from the Blind Eternities. That's true. That is true. Yeah, absolutely. Go get that uh, the changeling berserker so you can so you can uh, save some guys from some terrible effect or something. Yeah. Alright. Yes. Okay, so the next card uh, <laughs> Sorry, is... Sorry, I saw which one Brian gets. What's that? I saw oh, which one yeah. Brian gets. <laughs> yeah. So the next card is Decimator of the Provinces. Uh, this set is really the the thing of nouns set, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. I remember we had like It That Betrays and that kind of junk and yeah. Rise of the Eldrazi. We are, so far, we've just we've had like Campaign of Vengeance, Coax from the, the Blind Eternities, yeah. Decimator of Provinces, A of B. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the thing of nouns. Uh, anyway, it's, it's this is Game of Thrones is all it is. Um, so uh, Decimator of the Provinces is a ten mana, really ugly Eldrazi boar, uh, which is a mythic rare. Costs. Uh, it costs 10, and it's a 7-7. Seven, seven. It has an emerge cost of 6, green, green, green. Uh, we discussed emerge uh, last week, but uh, as a refresher, emerge says that you may cast the spell by sacrificing a creature and paying the emerge cost reduced by that creature's converted mana cost. So I could sacrifice something to pay less generic mana for it. Uh, and when you cast Decimator of the Provinces, creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2, and gain trample until end of turn. And this uh, creature has Trample and Haste. Now, uh, one of the things, and this comes up a lot with um, with cards that have uh, triggers that happen when you cast them. When you cast Decimator of the Provinces, all you guys get plus two, plus two. But Decimator of the Provinces is still on the stack. So it won't get the plus two, plus two bonus when it enters the battlefield because that triggered ability has already resolved. And it only applies to the creatures that were on the battlefield when it resolved. It doesn't give it to everything else the rest of the turn. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think this guy perfectly illustrates that because he has haste and everything. So I, I think I think that confusion could come up. I agree. Yeah. So. All, All right. right. Should have made this the last card. Oh. Okay. And then should have promised that we would get to it. Yeah. Emrakul, the promised end. Uh, for 13 mana, we have a 13-13 legendary creature, Eldrazi, with the text, Emrakul, the promercold Endrakul, Costacles, Oneacol, Lessacles, to Casticles for Ichacol, Carticle, Typical, Typical, Amongracle, Cardicles in your graveyard, Ricles. Okay. Cool. When Ricole, you <laughs> cast Ricole, Emrakul, Ricole. You okay, can't actually, we, we, we got it. Dude. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, <laughs> I was going to power through, but wow, there's a lot of words on this. Yeah, yeah there are. Okay, Emrakul, the promised end, costs one less to cast for each card type amongst the cards in your graveyard. Um, so uh, we, we, there's other abilities, but let's, let's take them one at a time because this is... There's a lot on this card. Uh, so basically, that is going to be a, a cost reduction. Uh, so if you have, uh, you know, an instant and a sorcery in your graveyard, he's going to, or she's rather, is going to cost uh, 11. Uh, and the more you, the more you've got, the less uh, she costs. I think she can go to 7, 6. The release note said that you can reduce it by 8. But that yeah. didn't seem right to me. We'll be 100 percent honest with you. Is it? Uh, when you control a target opponent, inflation cost one less for each card. So, what are the types? There are. Uh, tribal. Yeah. So we have we have uh, tribal, instant, sorcery, um, oh. creature, planeswalker, artifact, enchantment. Yeah, there's eight. Arti- artifact, seven. creature, artifact, creature, enchantment. Instant land, planeswalker, oh, sorcery, tribal eight. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't say land. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Wow. That's seems... what, what feels weird. What feels wrong about that to me is that means a tarmogoyf can be an eight nine. Yes. Yeah. For some reason in my head, a tarmogoyf could never be better than, than a six seven, and I have no idea why. Why that's where it was. Because it never is better than a six seven. Maybe that's right. it, and maybe because like the dice, like you only have right. a six sided dice, so you yeah. only go up to six seven on it. That's true. That that's true too. But like that's... people don't really play tribal in any anymore in formats where Tarmogoyf is legal. They did when it was in standard. They played Tardfire, right? Um, but they don't play tribal anymore, and it's pretty rare for you to have all of those, especially enchantment in your graveyard uh, simultaneously or the whole everybody's graveyard. So yeah. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to for five. The last little bit on it, and then I'm going to go to the middle, which uh, has the abilities flying. It's pretty good. 13, 13 flying. Trample. Okay. Hold on. Protection from instance. Ooh. Okay. This is pretty cool. Um, now, one thing to note, uh, protection from instance only functions on the battlefield, so uh, this does not protect uh, Emrakul from getting countered in any way, shape, or form. Uh, now, protection from instance is also kind of cool. Because uh, it means that your opponent can't kill Emrakul on your turn. Uh, they have to wait until their turn to kill Emrakul. Uh, and there's going to be a problem with that. Because of the next ability. It says when you cast Emrakul, you gain control of target opponent during that player's next turn. Uh, and then after that turn, that player takes an extra turn. So basically, 
um, what that ability means is when when you cast it, you cast Emrakul, you get the trigger, and you're going to get that trigger even if Emrakul's countered. Um, when you say go, you get to just tell the opponent, okay, we're now a team, and you're going to do everything that I say. And then you're going to control the opponent for that turn, and then after it's done, that player is going to get another turn that they operate normally. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about controlling a turn, what that means. Because this is it's, it's pretty complex, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of rules for it. So when controlling uh, when you're controlling someone, you can see heh, everything they can see almost. Um, I'll I'll give the almost in just a moment. Um, you can look at their hand. You can look at any any face down permanents they have. Uh, if you cast something that lets them search through the library, well, you get to see the library too. Basically, you are just sitting there. Uh, if you want to think about it, you're crouched behind them, looking over their shoulder, whispering in their ear, telling them uh, what horrible, horrible things to do to themselves. Um, a change, though, a recent change is you may not look at their sideboard. Uh, so you, you don't get to, even though they can look at their sideboard, you can't. Um, you're basically going to make all the decisions for that player, what spells they cast, what they attack with. Probably their biggest dude is going to be running smack into Emrakul. Uh, what lands they tap, probably all of them. Um, now, even though you control the player, you can't actually make them concede or break any rules of the game. Okay. Um, so you are, you control the player, um, but not any of their permanents. So, so when it, if there's an equipment that talks about you, well, it's really, it's referring to the, the controller of the equipment that's the opponent you control them but but the word you still refers to them <laughs> um so uh so if they've got a a spell or something like that or an effect that says they gain life for each creature you control well it's going to be counting the creatures that they control uh, and then in Two-Headed Giant, this card's so busted, uh, you gain control of the entire team because it shared turns. So, uh, get wrecked, nerds. Uh, this is going to destroy somebody in a pre-release. Or two yeah. somebodies. Now, there's a really awkward thing that can happen with this. So, the thing you mentioned about the sideboards is a relatively recent rule. It used to be that you could look at their sideboard. Yeah, and before that, it was uh, you couldn't. Like, it's, it's flip-flopped a few times. So, so the awkward thing here is that a lot of players will not know that this rule has changed, and they will ask, can I see your sideboard? That is a legal question. And if the other player shows them their sideboard, nothing illegal has happened, as long as they don't indicate that they have to show them the sideboard, because they don't. Yeah. Angle shooter Jess. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a thing to be aware of. It's to be thinking to be aware of because it's probably going to happen where players more than likely both players won't realize that rule has changed. Right. So if somebody says, "Can I see your sideboard?" as a judge, it's it's not really your job to step in and go, "No, no, 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 he doesn't have to show you." Um. Right, because awkward. you're you're allowed to you're allowed to reveal information. Uh, Any information you have access yes. to, you are allowed to reveal. You're not required to reveal it, but you are allowed. So, yeah. Yeah. Awkward. All right. Was that a thing you hadn't considered? Uh, it, 
it wasn't a thing that I'd necessarily considered. Um, it's awkward. It's super I'm going to be honest. I'm going to guess that the majority of players didn't know that you got to look at the sideboard in the first place. Yeah, control. I had to guess. Control people's turns is is rare enough. It's it's also rare enough that you get to look at the sideboard. Like the only reason you want to is if they have like a glittering wish in hand or something. Well, no, you still want to look at their sideboard because you want to just look at their sideboard. We're the only strategic in-game reason to look at their sideboard. Yes. We should mention if they have a coax from the blind eternities in hand, you can cast it, but you still can't look at their sideboard. And so, unless they have something in exile, you want to put it into their hand for some reason. Yeah, you ain't getting um, nothing. You're not gonna get anything. Not that you'd want to, probably, but you still can't look at their sideboard, even even with that resolving. Yeah. Oh no! It makes the wishes so much worse. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because who wants to actually get something with a wish? Like, right. when you're controlling the turn, you just want to waste the wish. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, and so that's that's when, uh, uh, going back, uh, Emrakul and uh, the protection from instance. Yeah, that's kind of a bit of a beating because you're going you're gonna to cast Emrakul. She's not going to be, she's going to have protection from instance. And then you're going to get a, the first crack at their turn cast all your sorcery speed, cast all their uh, sorcery speed removal on maybe their own creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then tap all their lands and run their biggest guy into Emrakul and then tell them go. Yep. Quit hitting yourself. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about Gyre Reach Sanitarium. Uh, it has tap, add colorless to your manifold. Colorless still exists. I mean, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's gonna get weird in a few years when we still have this colorless mana symbol and we don't have any we don't have it in any costs, but we'll see. Uh, and then two mana tap. Each player draws a card, then discards a card. So uh, talk about this procedure a little bit. Is everyone draws a card simultaneously, and then the active player, whoever's turn it is, is gonna set aside a card face down, and then in turn order, each other player is gonna set aside a card face down, and then we discard them all at once. So nobody gets to know what everyone else is discarding. Uh, before before making their own choice as to what to discard. Um, right. If if everyone is discarding a card with Madness, then once again, the active player is going to put their Madness trigger on the stack first, then each other player in turn order. And so the last stack is going to be the one that results first. So basically in a two-player game, whoever's turn it isn't is the one that's going to get their Madness trigger first. That's it. Yeah, just, right, well, just a just a, a minor for for the rules nerds out there. Um, when it says when an effect says each player uh, draws a card, um, what it what it means is it's it's there is a slight technicality. It's it's not that each player is going to draw the card simultaneously, although that's how it works in practice. It's active player is going to draw the card, then everybody else in turn order is going to draw their card. The, then you're going to discard the cards. So when uh, each player draws a card, you're going to draw cards in turn order, and then you're going to do the discards. Okay. So. All right. Well, the next card that we have is uh, Geist-Fueled Scarecrow. Uh, so we have a Scarecrow that's, that's apparently powered by ghosts. This is very Ghostbusters. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so it's a... It's an artifact creature scarecrow that costs four mana. It's a four four, and it says creature spells you cost. Sorry, you cost creature spells you cast cost one more to cast. 
Um, so this is actually really straightforward, but it does have an interesting interaction with a mechanic in the set. Uh, if you are going to emerge a creature and sacrifice this card, what happens? Well, I can tell you what happens. No, so, but... yeah, it's amazing. I, uh, so when you choose to cast something with Emerge, uh, you you announce that that spell, you put it on the stack, and you say, I'm going to cast this with Emerge. At that moment, you have to choose which creature you're going to sacrifice. So you say, I'm going to sacrifice Geist-Fueled Scarecrow. But you don't actually sacrifice it at that point. You've just made that choice. You still go through the rest of the steps of casting a spell, and you calculate the total costs as part of that procedure, uh, including the one additional cost for this ability. Uh, and then after that cost is locked in with the one additional mana, then you pay costs by paying mana and sacrificing the creature. Uh, so it, this will reduce that cost by four, which means that it gets locked in with the reduced by four and increased by one before you actually sacrifice the creature. So, for example, let's say you have um, a creature that's a merge cost is three and a blue mana. Um, it would increase to four and a blue, uh, and then it would be reduced by four, and you just have to pay the blue mana. So if it were four and a blue, it would get increased to five and a blue. It would be then reduced by four, and you'd have to pay one and a blue mana. Is Neat. that clear? Yeah, so for people wondering how a merge is going to work, it's kind of a, it's a choice you made. You make in that same step where you choose modes and choose hybrid costs and all that stuff. You're like, I'm going to emerge. And then we go through all cost additions and subtractions using the emerge cost. And then you sacrifice it instead of paying the mana cost, which is a little different, but seems to be where we're going with abilities like this these days. Because that's how Convoke and uh, the other one works. Dread? Uh, whatever. <laughs> Delve, delve, delve. Where you look for. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Just what did you did you guys do this ordering on purpose? I no. had nothing to do with it. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Whatever. I got the bad ones last. Oh, uh, the next oh, card. Man. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, this card is Identity Thief. Uh, for two blue blue, it is a zero three cre- shapeshifter with the text. Whenever Identity Thief attacks, you may exile another target, non-token creature. If you do, Identity Theft becomes a copy of that creature until end of turn. Return the exiled card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So, uh, the first thing I want to point out is, so this is whenever when Identity Thief attacks. So, if you are... So, so hold on. So let's back up. So basically, what this is doing is, when it attacks, uh, another creature is going to go poof off the battlefield. Identity thief is going to become that creature. It's going to swing, and then uh, at the end of the turn, uh, that exiled card is going to come back, uh, and at the and then identity thief is going to stop being the copy. Um, so a few things to note: if you are uh, copying a creature that has a whenever this creature attacks trigger uh that's you you're already too late uh because identity thief was declared as an attacker that's when that would have triggered um uh, so that would have triggered before identity thief becomes a copy of whatever um if 
you are going to go get Brucella, uh, Voice of Nightmares. Uh, so it's a, a meld card or uh, even a DFC. You're going to be copying the face that is showing on the battlefield or faces or melded face thing. Um, <laughs> the melded face thing. Right, the melded face thing. So in Exile... The front face of the meld or DFCs are going to be face up, and then when those cards return, they're gonna they're gonna come back either face up, uh, sunny side up for uh, the double face cards, or unmelded with their front face if they are meld cards. Um, if you choose to copy a um, copy a creature that is only a creature because of an animated effect, like an animated land, uh, Identity Thief will become an unanimated copy of that land and will be summarily removed from combat. So, womp womp. Uh, that also applies That's... to... What's that? Yeah, so in the release notes they have an example of copying like an animated Gideon, but I'm like, how are you going to animate a Gideon when you're attacking? Hey, man. Uh, I guess it could be your own creature, can't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess it could. I don't know why you would. So if you did do something crazy like that, uh, your creature would become an unanimated Gideon with no loyalty counters on it. So... Ooh, that's bad. So don't do that. Yep. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, some other... Uh, that's pretty much all the non... I mean, there's some some other copy wackiness, but... Yeah. You know... Listen to our episode. Do you copy one of our first ones? <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Imprisoned in the moon. Spoiler alert. Is that the Azorius symbol on the moon? Uh, no. Uh, let me take a closer look here. <laughs> anyway. I don't think so, but it's something. It's something. All right. So, it, whoa, whoa. I mean, it's bigger. Let's just make it bigger. All right. Imprisoned in the moon. Two in a blue enchantment aura. Enchanted creature, or I'm sorry, enchant creature, land, or planeswalker. Enchanted permanent is a colorless land with tap, add colorless to your mana pool, and it loses all other card types and abilities. Uh, what's interesting is that last line is almost unnecessary. Almost. So I thought it was just there as a reminder thing, but if you actually enchanted a land, the land would not lose any card types. Um... Or specifically abilities, so it does have to have that line there. Anyway, um, I think the card, you know, it does, I think it's all right there on the text. So one thing I did want to mention, though, is is you're turning something into a land. So if you enchant a Planeswalker, for example, it is, or I'm sorry, Creature is a much better example. If you enchant a Creature all of a sudden, that thing is a land. It is no longer a Creature. It's not a Creature land. It's nothing like that. Um, so what you're going to end up... Uh, my having happening is if that thing already has some auras on it um, or an equipment on it, that equipment or aura probably is going to become illegal unless that aura is another imprisoned in the moon. Or something that just enchant permanent. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't think there's many of those in this set. But who cares about this set, right? Volition reigns all over the place. <laughs> all right. Um <laughs> If you were to identity thief this this creature that you turned into a land, you would still copy a creature because you don't copy other effects. Yes. Fun well, fact. no, 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 because it would be a land, so you couldn't target it. Ooh, good one. That's right. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. All right. 
Yeah, there you just tell us about this card that when people first read it, they're like, oh, I'm going to win on turn one. <laughs> Nahiri's Wrath costs two and a red mana. It is a sorcery. It says, as an additional cost to cast Nahiri's Wrath, discard X cards. It also says, when Nahiri's Wrath deals damage... E- Sorry, not when. It says, Nahiri's <laughs> Wrath deals damage equal to the total converted mana cost of the discarded cards to each of up to X target creatures and or planeswalkers. Ding! Uh, I'm winning it, turn one. No, you're not. So this doesn't say players on it. It says so, planeswalkers. Uh, I'm a planeswalker. No, 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 yeah. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. I don't... In order to become a planeswalker, you have to drink the Cokes from the Blind Eternities. <laughs> if you haven't done that, you... And, I would, now I feel like asking the next time I take somebody to see World of Coke, I'm going to be like, "Excuse me, where do you keep the cokes from Blood Eternity?" Yeah. <laughs> when when you started when you started explaining that, I I've, you had the tone in your voice of like, "Well, when a mommy planeswalker and a daddy planeswalker love each other very much," you just had that that tone like you were explaining uh, the birds and the bees. Yeah. Well. Uh, so what this does is it only hits creatures and or planeswalkers. It does not target players so unless you've got a stuffy doll in play somehow you're not going to kill your opponent with this um so uh that's pretty straightforward once you realize it doesn't say target player um now there are two instances of the word x on this card and there's no x in the mana cost uh so you as an additional cost you're going to discard x cards you're going to decide how many cards you're discarding before you actually decide what the targets are. So you have to choose a number, then choose the number of targets, and then when you get to paying the cost, uh, then you'll discard the cards in question. So you, you discard it before the spell resolves, so if you if the spell gets countered and you discarded your hand, you are in trouble. Unless you play a lot of madness cards. In which case, those madness cards will trigger after you've finished casting the spell, the triggers will go on the stack, and you can choose you have to choose whether or not to play them before Nahiri's Wrath resolves or is countered. Alright. Uh, you could discard a land with this if you want to, but it won't increase the amount of damage because lands don't have converted mana costs that are higher than zero. Alright. CJ, you're messing with me. <laughs> and the way I know that you're messing the way I know that you're messing with me is because uh, uh, we just we just jump back from N's to M's. How does that happen? I didn't do that. Oh. Did you do that, Jess? Seriously? I might have. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I, like, I didn't actually do that. It was like, you guys are you guys changing it around. I was like, oh, man, Mirrorwing Dragon is so much more complicated than this rat. Right. That's so funny. I'm just sitting here. I'm like, I'm like, wait a second. We went back in the alphabet. <laughs> that might happen a couple more times, too. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what that just means CJ's going to... We're just gonna bubble it all the way down to the end. So can I guess that Brian has permeating? Yep. yep. <laughs> all right, let's go. Let's keep going. I didn't actually change that one. Let's go, Brian. You got your, you got your dragon. You all like right. Uh, there's a, a mirror wing dragon. Uh, three red, red for a vanilla four five dragon. <laughs> I doesn't oh, wow. really do anything. Why do they call it mirror wing? Uh, uh art flavor. It's giant. It's a you Firefly know, reference. Wing of, mm-hmm. wing of Mirror Dragon. Mm-hmm. No, okay, so Mirror Wing uh, Dragon is a 4-5 flyer that says whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Mirror Wing Dragon, 
Okay, so that's a spell with a single target. Okay. Uh, that player copies that spell for each other creature he or she controls that the spell could target. Each copy targets a different one of those creatures. So uh, we don't need any further explanation. No, I think um, that pretty much explains itself right there. Yeah, I mean, it does. It's all there. Uh, only copies, uh, only copies uh, spells for the controller of the spell that targeted the dragon. Um, so if someone murders it, well, they just murdered all their own creatures too. If you giant growth it, uh, you just giant growth all of your dudes. I guess a play you could make is is you're the opponent and you giant growth it. Because then you just giant growth all, all your creatures. Your yep. That's not too bad. Have, I just have this mental image of like, uh, it just I don't know why, but it reminded me of mirroring Dragon Con. Like so, like something becomes popular and suddenly everybody dresses up as it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, like Pokemon Go, right? Oh, that's totally gonna happen. And no one dresses. Yeah, up they're as gonna Pokemon be they're Day. gonna be people. They're gonna be people dressed up as like Pokemon trainers. They're gonna be people dressed up as like. Cell phones yeah, that have a loading screen on it. Yeah, the server screen. <laughs> yeah, the, sur- the server's not available screen. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, that's going to be very common. I guarantee it. <laughs> so, uh, so again, this, this ability triggers uh, only triggers for spells that only target the dragon, not targets this creature and this other creature or targets the player uh, and the creature. Now, now, a spell that might say something like... Uh, you know, this spell um, uh, deals. Let's let's say, oh, that's an awful. That's a. Why would you cast that spell? Okay, so I'm gonna just make up a. <laughs> I'm making. I'm gonna make up a card where it's like, uh, uh, target target creature gains plus two plus zero, oh, and its controller gains three life. Okay, that that actually doesn't target a person that only targets a single creature. So that would be legit for copying this thing, and so. Like we've gone over in previous episodes talking about copying spells, uh, you are not actually casting any of those spells. You're just putting them on the stack. Uh, for modal spells, uh, the modes don't change when they're copied, so they're locked in. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's about... And the, and the player who controlled the original spell still controls all the copies. And uh, the controller of the copy... You can't choose to pay any uh, pay any alternative or additional uh, an additional costs. You can't. Sorry, the controller of the copy. You can't choose to pay an alternate cost for the copy. Um, it's gonna it's gonna pull into all the uh, all the alternative and additional costs that were paid for the original spell. All right, let's talk about Nefalia Academy in the oh, end. Yeah. All right, I'm I'm looking at the rest of this list. What are we... All right. Yeah. If a spell or ability <laughs> an opponent controls causes you to discard a card, you may reveal that card and put it on top of your library instead of putting it anywhere else, and then it taps to add a colorless to your mana pool. Uh, this card was the Judge Program's uh, spoiler this this set. It was uh, spoiled by Charlotte Sable, our arch nemesis. Our arch enemies. Our arch nemesis. Really? Is really is she our arch nemesis, or really is she spoiled it? No, no, I know that she's full. Is I would have, I would, I thought that Moriarty was still our arch nemesis. Oh, he is. You're right. <laughs> he's the worst. No, he's not the worst. He's, <laughs> he's not the worst. He's he just he wants to go real deep into things I don't want to talk about. But people get their own enjoyments out of judging. 
And sometimes they don't intersect with my enjoyment out of judging. Okay, so anyway, basically what this card says is if you're going to discard a card, if an opponent is going to make you discard a card through some means, uh, you can instead just reveal that card and put it on top of your library. So if the card has madness that you're being told to discard, you actually have a choice because you have two competing replacement effects. Um, you either have the option to exile it for madness or put it on top, reveal it and put it on top of your library. And then obviously if you choose to put it on top of the library, you can't ma- uh, cast it for the madness cost because it's on top of your library now. That's it. Yeah, that's 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 not bad. Between this and uh, that land that gives you no maximum hand size, you can recreate Library of Lang across two <laughs> two lands. All right, moving on. Thirteen-year-old me would be so excited. You have no <laughs> idea. Wouldn't the thirteen-year-old so, you just have Library of Lang? I did. Yeah, what we all have played Library of Lang. Yes, you had to. I did. Yeah. All right, so we have Sigardian Priest. Which is actually very pretty art. Is that Therese? It is Therese Nielsen. Yeah, you kind of tell. Yeah, it's oh, I love Therese Nielsen art. Anyway, I, I actually have uh, Therese Nielsen art hanging in our uh, dining room. I love uh, that you put this. <laughs> you can't what? this one. Uh, so, so Guardian Priest uh, is a, a one-two creature that uh, costs one and a white. It says pay one mana to tap target non-human creature. This is very straightforward. Uh, however. Uh, people are going to be trying to tap werewolves uh, that are human. On their human side, it's still a human creature. Uh, and on the back side, I don't think they're human anymore. On the on the I don't think so. No. The back face. So well, it, no, I don't. Well, most of these now are Eldrazi horrors on the back face anyway. But sure. But the, the, ones the, in the this werewolves, set. specifically the werewolves, are uh, are just werewolf on one side, and they're human werewolf on the other. So this creature cannot tap down um cannot tap down human werewolf creatures yep brian do you want me to take this one no no, no. i I do have a comment on this card that i think is really really cool um so in innistrad the original innistrad there was a card called avicinian priest which was one in a white for a one two that had one tap tap target non-human creature so it's the exact same card, different name, yep. and and that really shows. I, I thought that was really really cool because it's showing that you know, if you screw Avicen, man. Sigarda is where it's at. Yep. The flavor text here is: many whose faith was destroyed by Avicen turned to the only angel who remained true to humanity. So there, there you, you go. go. Yep, and like the art exactly what you just said. The art kind of mimics each other because in the in the original there's like a, a castle or a church or something in the background. They got that here, and it kind of looks like the same the same woman. She's got the same shoulder shoulder pads and stuff like that. It's just she's ditched her stick with the Avacyn symbol for a for a scythe. Oh yeah, I'm just stalling. Like, I really don't want to talk about this next card. Shaped like a heron. Yeah, it, right. it is conveniently shaped like a heron. It's yeah, it's pretty sweet, and it might actually be the same woman. That 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 would be. It, be I cool. don't see any reason why it wouldn't be because of the flavor text here. Yeah, I think that's really cool. All right, I'll take this card, Brian. Okay, done. This card's really sweet. Oh, you wait, you gotta see the next card. Oh wait, no, I like the next card. Okay, yeah, yeah you yeah. like the next card. Let's do I that. A little crazy. All right, permeating mass <laughs> for a single green mana. You get a one three. Whenever permeating mass deals combat damage to a creature, 
that creature becomes a copy of permeating mass. What? So, um, so a few notes here, and that you know that's a complete copy. So these guys could spread out pretty good. You you gotta have a nice little board stall eventually. <clears throat> so if the creature being dealt damage takes lethal damage, say you know it's a two one, it'll die before it ever gets to become a copy. So because this trigger is on on damage being dealt, and you know by the time this trigger actually resolves, the creature's already long dead. Um, if the permeating mass takes lethal damage in combat, though, say it's blocking Emrakul somehow, uh, the creature that kills it will still become a copy of permeating mass. So once again, after damage is dealt, so in that Emrakul situation, you're still going to take 10 trample damage. Um, but after that, the Emrakul would become a copy of permeating mass and is just another 1-3 with the ability to copy itself. If, so something to look out for is if something has three damage marked on it through some means, let's just say through the combat, you know, there's a double block situation going on or something like that, and it gets three damage marked on it, and then it becomes a copy of permeating mass, it will die. So that's something to remember is that, that you know, this is effectively going to lower the toughness of many creatures. Hmm. hmm. And I think it's worth mentioning to remember that, you know, any pump effects or counters or anything like that isn't copied. You're just getting a, you're always just going to get a flat one, three, CMC one and with the trigger to copy itself. That that's what you're gonna get every time this thing copies itself onto a different creature. Alright. That's it. See it's really not that bad, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brian. Yeah. So uh <laughs> so this this card this next card that we're gonna talk about is from a flavor standpoint, I think it's probably one of the cooler ones in the set. I agree. Uh, it's called Soul Separator. It's a three mana artifact. Um or Brian, what if I use it on Soulless One? That's that's where these questions always go. Just like that jar of eyeballs. I'm still oh. mad that Urgent Exorcism uh, doesn't uh, untransform Unholy Fiend. <laughs> All right, yes. keep going. Uh, Sorry, right, I'm so soul missing random, random zombies from Onslaught. So it's an artifact for five tap sacrifice soul separator. Exile target creature card from your graveyard. Put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of that card, except it's a 1-1. It's a spirit in addition to its other types, and it has flying. Put a black zombie... just there? What? No, I'm going to read it all. Okay, fine, read it all. I'm going (laughs) to read it all, and then I'm going to go back. Put a black zombie creature token onto the battlefield with power equal to that card's power and toughness, equal to that card's... with power equal to that card's power and toughness equal to that card's toughness that's a whole lot of words now i'm gonna yeah. explain it in english okay um <laughs> basically what's gonna happen is you're gonna take you're gonna take the two the two halves of the card you're gonna take the power and toughness of the card and you're gonna make a zombie out of that just a vanilla so let's use emrakul for example uh zombie emrakul you will have a third a black zombie uh You'll have a black zombie thirteen thirteen. Okay. Uh, you will also have, and now the next part is the soul, the spirit. You're gonna make a basically a one one flying spirit with all the other stuff on the card. So if this was Emrakul, you would have a flying trample protection from instance uh, Eldrazi spirit uh, token. Uh, so that's pretty cool. So, um, 
other notes are the token copy is going to have the same converted mana cost as the original creature, so that the little flying flying token recall is going to be have a, a CMC of third uh, of thirteen, but the uh, the zombie uh, is going to have uh, isn't going to have a converted mana cost. Yeah, um, I think I think people confuse that a lot because they think all tokens don't have mana costs, but if a token's a copy of something else, it will have a converted mana cost. That used to come up a lot with Ratchet Bomb and uh, oh, yeah. what was that artifact that made copies, uh, like uh, infinite uh, copies? Mimic Fat and Ratchet Bomb in the same set. Yeah. Did that come up a lot. And then, you know, in this set we have Emerge, so. Yeah. Uh, another note is the Spirit Token will trigger uh, Enter the Battlefield effects over the creature, but they won't trigger as uh, when you cast triggers. Yeah, uh, so double you, So you're not going to to be able to steal uh, steal turns with with uh, with Imrakul, token Rakul. Um, and then uh, uh, if the creature card has a characteristic defining ability, um, so let's say uh, uh, Tarmogoy, for example, since that seems yeah. to be that's always the go-to example. Um, this is an ability that's actually setting the power and toughness to a specific thing. And if you go through the layers, you do characteristic finding abilities, then things that set power and toughness. So the setting the power and toughness is going to win effectively. And your spirit will be a 1-1, even though it's got this nice, snazzy little ability that says it's uh, it's uh, you know a 5-6 or a 6-7. What about the zombie token? The zombie token is pretty much a i mean it's pretty vanilla it's going to have the power and toughness equal to the values that it was when uh when you did the exile hmm. i love the flavor on this card i know yeah, it's really see. it's really i think i saw on facebook that uh allison medwin was uh the designer for this card so allison medwin is a uh current employee for wizards of the coast but she is a former judge from the northern virginia area so that's cool. That is cool. It is cool. Also, I, I think I'm just going to, like, any, anytime I have the opportunity to play this card, I'm just going to sing the title of the name of this card to, to the tune of uh, Smooth Operator. Could you do that right now? Soul Separator. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think one other little thing here. Um, I'm not sure how to make it come up, but if we could... Uh, an interesting thing about making a token with certain characteristics is those are the copyable characteristics of that token. So if you were to make a copy of this 1-1 spirit token, uh, you would get a 1-1 spirit, you know, if it's Emrakul, spirit, Eldrazi, um, mm-hmm. the flying, but it would be 1-1. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like there's some power and toughness setting effect on top of the uh, the copy effect. That is part of the copy effect, that it is a 1-1 creature. That's also spirit. A uh, few few other quick things. Um, if you make a copy of a double face creature card, uh, the spirit token, uh, you know, as as because of the rules of tokens and how double face cards, it's not going to be able to transform. It's mm-hmm. not going to be able to meld. It's not going to be able to do any of that fun stuff. Um, so, and if but, you, oh, sorry. but like we talked about last time, if if you know, it's half of a meld group, then the meld will still try to happen, and it'll exile your 1-1. One, one. Yeah. yeah. And then nothing. Womp womp. <laughs>
Are we ready to move on to the next card, guys? I'm ready. Yeah, we can go. I sorry to to summarily dismiss you, but yeah. the next card is summary dismissal. It seems. Oh, cool. look at that. <laughs> so, uh, summary dismissal is a uh, blue instant. It costs two blue blue. It says exile all other spells and counter all abilities. It doesn't counter the spells. Uh, it does counter abilities, but it doesn't counter the spells. It only exiles those spells. Um, so there are a couple of things about this. Anything that replaces countering a spell with doing something else, it won't do that. Uh, anything that um, that says this can't be countered, it can still be exiled. So there, there are a couple of things there. Like if somebody casts a uh, uh, an Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn, that uh, yeah. says it has... Um, it can't be countered, then you can cast Summary Dismissal on it. This gets her, too, because they also don't get the extra turn. Uh, right. If you cast it in response to the ability, it... Yeah. It, this is the... Um, you know, it's not the counter spell we needed for this set, but it is the one we deserved. Um, <laughs> so, um, only activated and triggered abilities can be countered. Uh, things that don't use the stack, like mana abilities or static abilities... Um, uh, can't be countered. Uh, so uh, things can trigger again after this resolves, uh, especially things like state triggers. So if, for example, um, you know somebody's got a, a merit lodge with no no uh, no counters on it, and that triggered ability resolves, and you counter that ability, well, it's just going to trigger again. Um, but otherwise, this is pretty straightforward. It doesn't counter spells. It does counter abilities. Right. And it can counter multiple abilities too, which is probably going to be useful somewhere. I don't know where yet. Yes. This oh yeah. It's always you could you could this is going to be great in modern because you could to uh, you get to counter all of Valakut's triggers at the same time. Oops. Yes. That's actually actually very relevant now that I think about it. Any any theories on why it counters the abilities and doesn't exile them? Uh, Ultimately, I don't think it matters one bit. I'm just uh, because I don't think there's anything physical to exile. She's still yeah, cord. most mostly that probably just to avoid confusion. There are some abilities that can't be countered that this wouldn't touch. Um, exiling abilities just has really weird wording for players because abilities are things that are on cards. Yeah. Uh, so so do you count? Do you exile the card that made the ability and put it on the stack? Like yeah. obviously you wouldn't, but but a new player might not understand that. I think that even this templating is a little weird to us. I think it actually makes a lot more sense intuitively. It might, yeah. I'm just curious. Any guesses? I don't think there are any abilities that can't be countered. There is an ability that can only be countered by spells and abilities. True. Say that again. You think that there's... I don't think there's any abilities that like triggered or activated abilities that can't be countered. I'm not sure that's accurate. Because, I mean, you know, how many cards do we have that can even do that? Five? Uh, now I'm searching for it because <laughs> making me search for it. Yeah, let's see. Uh, nope, not seeing it, not seeing it, not seeing it. Uh, still not seeing it. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. 
I don't see any abilities that can't be. Yeah, I don't know. I was just curious. Brian, tell us about Stitcher's Graft. Hold Wild on. Searches. Wild Jess searches. I saw enlightened Bushi uh, cannot be countered. Just, just saying. He's one of the creatures that can't be countered. Uh, anyway, why okay. Is, what, what, why is that relevant? Because uh, that was the card I was looking at when CJ asked me to start talking. So I just <laughs> grabbed a random stack of memory on the on my heap and started talking. Okay, Stitcher's, <laughs> Stitcher's Graph is for one mana. It is an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus three, plus three. Has equipped cost of two. That's pretty awesome. All right, pretty good. Yeah, I know. That's All solid, right. man. Pass the vanilla test or whatever. Yeah. Um, whenever equipped creature attacks, it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, sure. So there's a little bit of delay. And whenever Stitcher's Graft becomes unattached from a permanent, sacrifice that permanent. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So let's let's talk a moment. Let's say for um, for whatever reason. You have two Stitcher's Graphs attached to the same creature, so your little your little one one is now a seven seven uh, uh, behemoth, and it gets in there and it swings. So whenever this equipped creature attacks, it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. So since I've got two of these Stitcher Graphs uh, equipped to it, that means it's gonna have to sit out on the sidelines for two turns, right? Wrong. No, it yep. only it is not going to untap during the controller's next untap step. So both triggers are still going to happen, and both of them are going to tr- going to prevent it from a tap untapping during the next untap step. But it doesn't like stack, or you're not skipping an untap step. You're still going through it. So it's gonna it's no matter how many times this thing gets stacked up on one creature, uh, it's only going to happen the one time. Uh, the next part uh, about whenever Stitcher's Graph becomes unattached from a permanent sacrifice. So unattach happens when you attach to another creature, when Stitcher's Graph leaves the battlefield, or somehow stops being an equipment, it's going to become unattached. In that particular case, you're going to sacrifice that permanent. Now, one uh, little, little thing is if you somehow gain control of Stitcher's Graph, uh, while it's attached to your opponent's creature, you can move Stitcher's Graph to your creature. It will become unattached from your opponent's creature, but since you don't control that creature, you can't sacrifice it. And uh, it's your trigger, so your your opponent's not going to sacrifice the creature for your trigger. Nope. So nope. They, uh, they get to keep it. Brian, what if I activate the equip and then for some reason the creature that I'm trying to equip to gets killed in response? Ah, well then what's going to happen is that equipment is going to stay exactly where it is and nothing's going to happen. So it never became unattached. It never became unattached. And even though I said uh, you can uh, unattach happens when you attach to another creature, so you can't attach it to itself and then reattach it to itself and be like, oh yeah, well... For a second there, it became unattached. No, that doesn't work either. That's right. So that's a play you can't make if you're emrecooling someone. All right, let's take inventory. So take inventory. What? It's me. What? No, because you skipped me. We never skipped you, Brian. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah. You're right. (laughs) My bad. Did I do something? I get this one. 
Nope, we're all right on track. And we're I get all good, one, Brian. I Don't get the worry. one line card. Don't worry about what you did. Take inventory. Draw a card. Then no, draw no, a card. wait. CJ told me to do Stitcher's graph. That's why I did it. You should have. Yeah. Everything's fine. <laughs> we have all done an equal amount of cards. We have taken inventory of the number of cards we've done. It's an equal amount. Okay. okay. Now I will retake inventory. <laughs> draw a card. Then draw cards equal to the number of cards named take inventory in your graveyard. So... Uh, the only thing really, then there's another card in the set that does the same thing. Um, but all it's worth mentioning is when these cards are resolving, they are on the stack still. The very last step of a spell resolving is to go to the graveyard. So it's still on the stack. So basically the first time you cast Take Inventory, you're going to draw one single card because there are no cards named Take Inventory in your graveyard. And then it will increase from there. Cool. That reminds me of that, that cycle from Odyssey. Kindle. Uh, uh, right here, Kindle. Yeah, like Aether Burst and yeah. all that. Anyway, um, the next card is Tamiyo, Field Researcher, who has somehow gone from blue to bant. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get. I'm not going to go into that. That. Or very, Helmet. They've gone to plaid. They have. Feels very box checky to me. Aww. Yeah. Do we have a bant walker yet? Nope. Check the box off. You know. Wait, I'm confused. It's not a rhino. <laughs> so, uh, Tabio Field Researcher is a planeswalker, costs one green, white, blue. Uh, and it has three abilities, like most planeswalkers. The first one says plus one, choose up to two target creatures until your next turn. Whenever either of those creatures deals combat damage, you draw a card. The second ability says minus two, tap up to two non land. So two target non-land permanents. They don't untap during their controller's untap step. And minus seven, draw three cards. You get an emblem with you may cast non-land cards from your hand without paying their mana costs. Uh, that's insane. <laughs> All right, so. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, I To be honest, I was expecting something way more hippogriffy. Uh, but, but, you know, it is what it is. So let's see, what can we talk about with this card? Um, interesting rulesy stuff. The, uh, oh yeah, this first ability says, it says up to two creatures, you can choose zero creatures and you can choose your own creatures. Um, so uh, you can choose your own creatures and then those creatures can attack and then you draw cards when those creatures attack. In fact, I think that's the way that's probably going to be used most frequently is choosing your own creatures. Um, yeah, it can that... also be used defensively on your opponent's creatures so that they don't attack, but it's probably not the best use in most cases. So with uh, that first ability, um, for some reason I, I, I've seen people like bring this up. They're just trying to maximize cards you can get out of this. So if you had like a 2-1-4 Vigilance double strikes, you could swing with them. They would do damage twice, so you would draw four cards there, uh-huh. and then you could block with them and draw another four cards. Oh, you're absolutely right. I didn't. Uh, I, I read it correctly, oh. but I didn't see that this doesn't say uh, to a player. This does not say combat damage to a player. Yeah, just combat damage. So, so uh, if, if you really wow. want to maximize cards, there, there you go. You don't even need to. You really just need to put this on on, on creatures with vigilance. Like you just need one big yeah, thing. Yeah, vigilance, with vigilance will help a lot. Like put one big thing with vigilance out there, hit 
one of your creatures, their biggest blocker, and go to town. And since you're playing Bant, you probably have something. <laughs> Vigilance. Right. But if you're playing Bant, you probably have something that has, you know, Vigilance and Double Strike, and whenever and you attack, point. you go get Eldrazi Conscription and put it into play. Like, <laughs> you have so much crap. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the second ability uh, is pretty straightforward. It's, uh, again, up to two, so you can choose zero. Uh, you can also choose your own things here, but you usually don't want to. There are instances where you will, but normally not. Um, and even though this says you can cast non-land cards from your hand without paying a mana cost for the last ability, you still have to obey any timing restrictions that are on those cards. So you can't cast sorceries during your opponent's turn. You still have to cast them on your own turn during your main phase when the stack is empty. Cool. All right. Oh, yeah, letting her hair down. Oh, yeah. She is. She's, uh... Well, her hair was actually down uh, in Dark Ascension, too. So, All right. Uh, so we have Thalia, Heretic Cathar. Uh, she's no, I guess she's no longer the guardian of Thraven? Or maybe she is? Guardian, I don't know. Guardian her. Uh, so anyway, that. she's two and a white. So uh, for a three-two first strike, it's pretty pretty respectable. She also has the ability: creatures and non-basic lands your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. Which is what? Um, so uh, things to remember with this is specifically: so if you have a card that says um, like like one of the the shadow lands from uh, Shadows Over Innistrad, like uh, like Port Town, that says like, "Hey, reveal planes, reveal a planes or an island from your hand," or this thing comes into comes into play tapped, and you say, "Okay, here's my planes." Um, Folly is still gonna say, eh, "Not good enough. It's still coming into play tapped." Uh, in modern, if you are going to pay two. So that your Shockland uh, enters the battlefield untapped. Uh, you just shocked yourself. Uh, it's coming into play tapped. Um, another thing is, if Thalia enters the battlefield at the same time as opponent's creatures or non-basic lands, um, her ability isn't on the... I mean, she's not actually on the battlefield yet. So the, the way this particular ability works is is it has to be on the battlefield in order to modify how other things are entering the battlefield. So if she's not there, it can't do anything. It can't do anything to those. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I feel... I don't know. You know what? Thalia feels like she should have been... I, I just think opening the Hell Vault maybe would have gnawed at her a little bit. It probably did. I mean, she let Avison loose, and then Avison killed all right thirsting axe look man she's got she's got a lot to she's got a lot to uh a lot to prove a lot to make up for so that's you know she's all salvation will not be granted by the lumark council it must be earned <laughs> the edge of a yeah. sword if necessary or the edge of a thirsting axe which says equipped creature gets plus four plus zero at the beginning of your instep if equipped creature didn't deal combat damage to a creature this turn, sacrifice it. So that's to a creature thing. That's kind of a big drawback, because they can just let it through. No blocks. <clears throat> yeah, no blocks. I mean, yeah, they take four additional damage, but your creature dies. Um, so <laughs> the big point here is uh, 
you should not move this card in your second main. I think it's common sometimes to swing with a creature and then, uh, you know, let's say they block it with a 1-1. One, one. And then in your second main, you uh, move it to some other creature so that you have a big blocker. But in this case, you don't want to do that because if you move it in your second main, then whatever you move it to will um, have not dealt combat damage this turn and you're going to end up sacrificing it. Yeah, I, I guess you, you might actually be able to do that like if you attach it to your big creature and then you swing with it and they choose <clears> not to block it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, crap. Uh, then, yeah, you can move it to one of your little dirtly dudes. Yeah. Let's change this advice from don't do it to be aware of what you're doing when you do it. <laughs> How about that? Like, it's, whatever you move it to is going to get killed. Yes, the thirst is real. But you can protect the creature that originally had it on it. All right. All right. All right. Yes. All Talk right. about this weirdo? I like this card a lot for a number of reasons. This is Tree of Perdition, uh, which is the exact opposite of, uh, of Tree of Redemption, which is another one of my favorite cards. It costs three and a black instead of three and a green, and it is a creature plant. It is a 0-13 with Defender, and it has the ability tap to exchange target opponent's life total with Tree of Perdition's toughness. So if my opponent's life total is 20, I can tap this, and their life total will become 13. Tree of Perdition's life total will become 20. You can do this in response to blocking as well. Uh, to answer the first question... No. If you make Tree of Perdition's toughness zero in response to this ability, it will not make your opponent die because <laughs> the swap can't happen, so none of it... it like, one part of the... the, the Tragic slip. The, yeah, exactly. One part of the, um, the exchange can't happen, so none of the exchange happens. That's just part of the rules. Um, but there is a really weird thing where if Tree of Perdition has a plus one, plus one counter, so its power is... Zero or his powers one and its toughness is fourteen and you use this ability. Uh, if your opponent's life total is at twenty, for example, uh, then Tree of Perdition's power will still be one because it still has the counter, and it gets a toughness of twenty, so it's twenty plus the counter, so it's twenty-one. But its original fourteen transfers over to the opponent and they have a life total of fourteen. Uh, so you've actually gained one out of that exchange, which is not yeah. particularly good, although, I mean, you still made your opponent lose six life, so not the end of the world. For for this card, you want to go with minus, minus one, minus one counters. Exactly. Because each time it gets lower. Yep. Oh, so, yeah, so you're looking at the toughness as it exists right now, because I think we've talked about copy effects so many times where we're like, you look at the base card, you look at the base card, but... When we're talking about uh, toughness, you're actually looking at whatever the toughness is right now. So right. if, if you have a not-so-tragic slip where it's like minus 12, minus 12, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> Only slightly tragic. Yeah, like pretty tragic, but not, you know, not completely tragic. All right, so is it my turn? Yes. Uh, okay. Take uh, this EDH card. What? Okay, so uh, they finally gave us the red green talk about box checking they finally gave uh, yeah. us the red green legendary werewolf in Ulrich of the Kralen Horde who right we, we sort of already had this <laughs> but it was a planeswalker hey so it couldn't be your commander right right and uh, it transforms into Ulrich uncontested alpha um so 
This card right here, it, uh, first off, it has the standard werewolf trigger, triggers, uh, which we, we've talked about numerous times in the past, but it's got some other stuff. So uh, Ulrich, on the human werewolf side, uh, has whenever this creature enters the battlefield or transforms into Ulrich of the Kralin Horde, target creature gets plus four, plus four until end of turn. That's pretty cool. Uh, so if it switches into uh, Ulrich Uncontested Alpha, it has the ability, whenever this creature transforms into Ulrich Uncontested Alpha, you may have it fight target non-werewolf creature you don't control. Now, <clears throat> one little interesting thing about this is the targeting of the non-werewolf creature uh, is mandatory. You are going, when it flips, you are going to try and... If there is a non-werewolf creature you don't control, you've got to target one of them. Uh, you don't have to fight it, though. Uh, <coughs> sorry, so if the only uh, non-werewolf creature they uh, that you don't control is Emrakul, uh, you don't have to fight it, um, which is probably the smart thing to do. Um, now, hmm. in order to actually fight, uh, shorthand, there's a bunch of rules for it, but in, in shorthand... Uh, both both creatures still have to be there. Both targets still have to be around. Both both uh, Ulrich and and the target non-werewolf creature both have to be around in order for the fight to actually happen. Okay, so Hello. they have to be there, and uh, the non-werewolf creature still has to be a legal target. He's he's the uncontested alpha, but he won't pick a fight with a werewolf. So I feel like it's just he's uncontested because he won't. Well, he, he just doesn't well, contest. Well, they won't fight him. So it's not really a fight. Mm. <laughs> Still, he can't. Mm, no, he can't target a non-werewolf. Or he can't target um, a werewolf. I don't see well, it. I don't not, see it's it. Not, he's, still, he's, still, he's just beating up on him. It's not actually a fight back. Second note. In the first picture, he has a wolf next to him. In the second picture, he doesn't. Did he become alpha wolf by killing that wolf? We're going to say I, yes. Uh, let's see. Looking... <laughs> Um, maybe Ulrich is the wolf. What? The wolf like just like <laughs> hulks out and eats that dude. <laughs> we we always thought it was the dude, but it's it's the like, wolf. I mean, look there. at the wolf. The wolf's got like one piece of white cloth on for yeah, no, no, that's reason. the axe. That's the axe. And, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I made still though. Mistake. Where'd all those where'd all those clothes that guy had go? Yeah. I know. Now Uncont they always get them his, back. Because his pants are also uncontested. Oh. <laughs> That's where his All clothes right. went. Let's talk about unsubstantiate. Just rolls her house the tongue. Return target spell or creature to its owner's hand. So, uh, you could say this counter spells. I mean, it puts them back in their hand, but it does, you know, it does remove it from the stack for now. So if they, you know, if they do that, um, uh, what was it, Nahiri's Wrath, you could really get them. Oh, if they hear his wrath and discard a bunch of cards, and you're like, oh, "Let's put that back in your hand." Oof. Oof. Yeah. Well, um, don't worry. You can just discard more cards next time. Yep. So this oh. this can target spells that can't be countered. You know, I wouldn't recommend doing this on many of the Eldrazi because they all have cast triggers versus into the battlefield triggers. Um, and this could be used if something's making a copy of a spell. You could use this um, to bounce the copy, and then the copy would cease to exist. So it completely counters a copy of a spell. And you can also return creatures too, but that's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Jess, take us out. It's been a long uh, night. So, so I do want to... Uh, 
so what I do want to say one other thing is that this can be really useful if the spell that you're returning, the creature spell you're returning has emerge and they paid the emerge cost. Yeah, that's a good one. Because they've already paid the cost of sacrificing the creature and you're bouncing it back to their hand. They may not be able to actually cast it again and they're not getting that creature back. So uh, this this can be pretty useful. This is, I think, a very probably a very good card in limited and maybe in standard. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely in standard. Now that I think about it. Um, all right, so next card, uh, Waxing Moon. Uh, it is an instant. It says transform up to one target werewolf you control. Creatures you control gain trample until end of turn. This is a cool card because you don't have to target a werewolf. If you don't have any werewolves, you could still just cast it to give all of your guys trample. Uh, however, if you do target a werewolf and that werewolf gets destroyed or exiled or whatever uh, and it doesn't have a legal target anymore, then then it will be countered because it had a target and that target's not legal anymore. That's sad. Uh, and this, just like basically everything, can't <laughs> transform Arlen Cord. Mm. She's not a werewolf, but she is she's a werewolf. Not. Right, yeah, because she's not a werewolf. Just no. like Nicol Bolas is not a dragon. Yeah, Nicol Bolas is also not, yeah, not a dragon. All right, so we got uh, one email based around this set, so I thought we should go ahead and read it real quick from our biggest fan, Eric He. Uh, he says, "Dear Judge Cast, shiver me timbers. No, make your own brand, Eric. You don't. You don't. You're the number one emailer. You don't have to take from uh, Cali Rainwater. Rizella, <laughs> Rizella hey, says, hey, more than one person could be a pirate. Okay. No, he needs to. He needs to forge his own way. He could be like, here's a picture of me doing a robot dance. I don't know." You know, that's up to him to figure it out. Chip, chip, cheerio, fellas. Or... Chip, chip, cheerio. Chip, chip, yeah, and then we'll yeah. start being like, chip, chip, cheerio, guys. Yeah. Hello, Howdy. welcome to Judge Guys. Chip, you chip, talk, cheerio. Talk like Ned Flanders. Howdy doodly. Yeah, so just think about it, Eric. All right, Brazella says, opponents can't cast spells. That's the merged somethings. Opponents can't cast spells with converted mana cost three or less. That's uh, that's the, the uh, one of the settings on, like, the worst speaking spell ever. You just pull a little cord and it goes around. Brisella says. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just get distracted? Yes. <laughs> Do speaking spells still exist? I don't think it's a speaking spell. It's But you know what I'm talking about, right? I know what you're talking about. I thought they were speaking spells. Nah, I think those might be electronic. But yeah, you pull a little cord and it goes yeah, around. Yeah, the cow goes. See and says. See and says. Yeah, that's what you're thinking of. Oh. It's got, that, it's got right. the little thing you pull, and it goes around in a wheel, and it's yeah. like, yeah. All right. Eric asks, what I want to know is how does this work with X spells, for example, Fireball? It is my understanding that Fireball has a CMC of 1 almost everywhere, but has a CMC of X plus 1 on the stack. Does Brazella prevent me from casting a Fireball, a fireball where X is 10? Thanks, Eric. Brian, I'll let you answer, since you're next in line. No, it does not prevent you. Yes, no, it does not prevent you. No, I'm not answering the question. <laughs> yeah, does result? No. So, uh, when you are casting your spells, um, so after you announce the spell uh, and you choose targets and all that, excuse me, I need to cough. Uh, one of the things is you you choose the value for X. Okay, and that goes into figuring out all of uh, uh, setting what the cost that you're going to have to pay is. Then once you've done all that stuff, you've chosen your modes, you've chosen your targets, you've chosen how to distribute things, then that's when you determine if the spell that you cast, if you are, if you were able to actually cast it. So um, in this particular case, then, 
we would get to that point and say, um, well, what's the converted mana cost? Oh, the converted mana cost is uh, is 11 in this particular case. So, yeah, you're fine. Let it on through. Priscilla Turn that care. fireball up to 11. Yes. 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 Uh, I also want to add, because I think sometimes people get confused here, is it says opponents can't cast spells with converted mana cost 3 or less. Um, spells is anything that goes from your hand to the stack. So creatures, there are creature spells, instant or sorcery spells. I think sometimes people think spells are just instants or sorceries, but it's it's anything currently on the stack. So this prevents planeswalkers, anything that isn't a land, basically. Yep. Now, uh, one one thing with fireball specifically. <clears throat> so let's say uh, you wanted to do one point of damage to two creatures with fireball. Mm-hmm. So fireball specifically uh, has an additional cost if you have more than more than one target. So I'm going to say, okay, I want to deal one damage to that creature and one damage to that creature. So I'm going to pay my one red. I'm going to say X equals two. So I'm going to deal two damage divided evenly. And then I have to pay an additional cost for that second creature um, uh, uh, that I'm targeting. So I'm paying four total, but my converted mana cost is three. And Bracella says, no! whatever this this the speak and say is um yeah so that that also is um will be relevant um uh that that specific Bracella ability will be relevant with the what is the name of the ability that lets you escalate uh that is also escalating uh will not necessarily uh, get around um, Rosella's ability either. Right. If the, if the cost of the spell is one, two, or three, it doesn't matter if you're escalating or not. It's always converted man cost one, two, or three. Yep. All right. Well, if you want to email us about anything we have talked about or anything at all, you can by emailing us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. Maybe one day we'll have our own Pokemon Go team. Woohoo! That'd be cool. Team Valor. Yeah, Team Valor. Is that is that the team that you guys are on? Yes. yes. What's the it blue? is the best team. It's what? what? Nothing. All right. That's <laughs> what I thought. Yeah. Just keep keep your mouth closed. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, before we get into any more polka talk, you guys got anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I uh, I don't think so. This one wasn't too long. Not bad. It's too long. It's been long. Anyway, so. All right. Uh, okay, cool. So thanks everyone for listening. My name is Cedar Schrader. I keep it fun. Wait, I'm fair. Just, I keep fair. I'm just Tunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian, he got me. I'm Brian Perlman. I keep it on Team Instinct. Woo! You had to Google a team. I did have to Google a team. You, you picked the, like, really bad one. Well, I thought the really bad one was Team Valor. No. I don't know, man. Saying team all, Valor the ones I saw, all the ones I saw on Facebook today have been making fun of Team Valor. But see, they're, then they're acting like Team Valor are the ones pooping on everyone else, and they're not. Because you don't see Team Valor out there doing that. Well, no, because they're all too shamed to come out in public. They, uh, know. We came out. they know it's true. We come out just fine. You look at the gyms in the area. Uh, that's 
that's all right